0: This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com.
1: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of New Rainmaker. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Copyblogger Media. And today we have yet another very special guest, Joe Polizzi, or as I refer to him, the guy who I can't outrank for the term content marketing. I've been trying, Joe. You know I've been trying. Did you and make I, up that word? Did you make and, up the term content love marketing? Did you do I, you it? Know, was it you?
0: It, it it excites me that you try so hard to get found first. You, I, <laughs> I, I, I really, and I really, I really dig that about you. Actually, so
1: I do have a competitive streak. I can't help <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: uh, did I make up the term? I started using it when I was running custom media at Pentamedia Media in 2001 I actually the the back about that is we were in the custom publishing industry and we were called Penton custom media two very boring terms you go got with custom publishing or custom media nobody wants to buy anything from you so I'm like well how can I get these cheap marketing officers at least interested in what I'm talking about and I tried everything I tried branded content custom content, every, and I'm throwing them all at them. And then I started using content marketing in the pitch and I could see the reaction change. Like they were like, oh, hey, I'm a, I'm a marketer. We do content site type stuff. Maybe that's what we're doing. They just resonate, you know, if, if you're targeting marketers in every way, and you know this, you, you and I both work with a lot of marketers, they're very simple people. And you have to keep things simple and things resonate with them around the term marketing. And that's when I said, hey, look, this thing that we're doing, this building audiences thing through relevant, valuable content on a consistent basis, we better call it something like content marketing because that's what's resonating with these folks. So, yeah, I can't prove it. I can't prove that I was the first one. Probably as much as you responsible for uh, popularizing it because you didn't like the term, but then you started using it. And I said,
1: thank Jesus for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it helped us. It helped. Well, our I,
1: maybe I just didn't like it because I didn't come up with it. I don't know, you know, maybe no, but so, yeah, I, I, I talk about now, you know, in 1999, I started doing this thing we now call content marketing. And then in 2006, I started a blog talking about this thing we now call content marketing. But it was you who convinced me, and grudgingly, I guess. And I don't know what my issue was with it. Um, I, I don't even think it occurred to me that it needed to be called something. But for those of you who don't know who Joe is, you probably do, but... He is the founder of Content Marketing Institute, the world's leading enterprise solution provider. <laughs> no, I'm trying to come up with a tagline. Leading
0: training and education company for exactly. enterprise marketing. According to Google. Um, According to, hey, if Google said it, it must, it be, must true. be true. It must be true. Also,
1: <laughs> more impressively is Content Marketing World, uh, without doubt, the largest and the finest content marketing conference out there, something I've been involved with every year since the beginning. That's right. And it's so aimed at the enterprise. Why am I there every year? Because everybody aspires to be a big company.
0: Like we don't, it's interesting. I mean, you know this because, you know, I think we've had some conversations on when you target the enterprise, you actually, you can't target the mid market. You actually have to say enterprise and you get the mid market. And then you get small companies that actually want to aspire to be big. So then we get a lot of really high growth, small businesses. That's what we target. So you get yeah, yeah mostly marketers at, at large businesses. Because of that, you get the mid market and then you get the small businesses that want to be big. So it's yeah. just interesting. And that's why, I mean, you're you fit in. I think you probably target what the the growing small business
1: mid market audience Would
0: you say that that's
1: your target? I think a lot of our customers fall into um, the biggest group of the small business market, which is the very small business, but it does move up from there. Yeah, and uh, and I think again, um, a lot of the work you have done has has made um, you know what we talk about relevant to even larger companies because we're not. I, I think our hearts are with the small. Uh, companies and because that's our affinity, but uh, the information percolates all over the place, which which is fascinating to me. So let's get to the uh, the issue here, because historically, an enterprise focused institute and conference, and now you've written Content Inc, which is squarely aimed at the startup and small business world. The whole audience first thing that uh, we've been talking about for years, and I was fortunate enough that uh, you allowed me to write the foreword to the book. As long as I'll, I get in I'll there, allowed it's a
0: good way to put it.
1: <laughs> I, it
0: defaulted to you. You had to, you had to write that. It, it's because it's your story.
1: Yeah, so, yeah.
0: Thank you for that, by the way.
1: Oh, it's uh, it's, a, it's a great book. It's going to be out in just a few weeks here. It's available for pre-order called Content Inc. There's also an excellent podcast that Joe's been running called Content Inc. also. How, how do you like that? Let's talk about podcasting. Everyone's sure. doing podcasting now. You've taken to it. I love your show with Robert, this old marketing. But how has it been reaching out to this new audience with a podcast? Because it seems like that's your primary engine that this is all a big
0: experiment actually the, everything is even writing the book to this audience because as you said we've never targeted the small business startup entrepreneurial audience and so it's to start with that completely selfish on my part cuz i wanted to write this book and literally said this book needs to be written what we've done at cmi what brian's done at copyblogger media and the you know dozens and dozens of other examples they need to be told because We have to get away from this idea that you have to be a big company to do this thing called content marketing and i think there's actually a better way to launch a business and it's the way that you and i launched the business i said okay well how do you, you know okay i'm going to do this book i'm not going to make it about me we're going to talk about some examples but let's talk about what all these companies did and how they went audience first and then built products and services on the back of that said, okay, well, what's the best way to do this? And the last with epic content marketing, which I wrote in 2013, which is squarely for enterprises. I started to release blog posts ahead of time. So that was the thing was okay. I'm going to tease it out. We're going to give pieces of the book out ahead of time. I said, let's do something different with content Inc. And I said, well, let's just, let's just share everything ahead of time, but do it in a podcast form. And it's so far, it seemed to work. I mean, every week we get more subscribers, more listeners to the show. People are starting to talk about it more. And honestly, we haven't really marketed that much at all. It's just sort of there. It just sort of happened and we're letting people know about it. But I like the fact that it's almost like we had the blog, the blog to book idea is what I've I always said, hey, if you're going to write a book, do a blog to book, just plan out six months of content, just write your your chapter outline, start blogging. And then in six months, you've got 80% of a book and you're done. Started to do the same thing with podcasting. So I started to write episodes of the podcast, became chapters of the book, started to release those, edited them down. Then we've got part of the book done. So as I've been going through and and doing these podcasts two a week, and they're like five to seven, you know, they're really short, like five to seven minutes long. then okay, I've got more content for the book. And it seemed to have worked out well. And it's just takes a lot of the burden off me from a content production standpoint. At the same time, I can build an audience. And I think that that's a smarter thing to do than everybody just saying, wait, we're not gonna send any content out, here comes the book, and now it's ready. I think you just give it all out as much as possible, build some anticipation over it, build your audience, so that when you release a book, it's already there. The audience is basically your customer list for buying the book or the audio book is already
1: ready to go. You're demonstrating the principle of the book in the way that you're building an audience to sell the book. I like that. You're getting very meta, Joe. That's been I, our oh, our my, thing for years. My
0: life is meta. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly right. But I, you know, we'll see if it works out. So far, it looks like we'll know right away. So September eighth, the book comes out. It comes out of content marketing world. I think we'll know within the first two weeks if that strategy's paid off.
1: And um so Fingers
0: crossed, it looks like it will work. It looks like yeah. it's working right now.
1: Well, I'm certainly going to help because, again, my forward cannot be unseen. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, it's a I, darn I, I, I must be, have spent 20, 30 minutes on that, Joe, while you had to write the whole rest of the book. So, could go down as the greatest forward in <laughs> business history. So, let me ask you this I had your partner in crime, Robert Rose, on last week, and, uh, we were kind of dancing around this thing, but I'm not sure we ever just came right out and said it. But I almost came out and said, you know, don't you just think it's easier? Like, don't you think the real innovation in, in content marketing really comes from the startups who build an audience first and, and all that, you know, and I never came out and said it. And then when I'm thinking of uh, right after I asked you to be on the show, I see you've written an article saying why startups basically beat the pants off the enterprise content marketing. I mean, it was some, the headline was something to that effect. Tell me what you think about that. I totally agree with that. I, and I'm, I'm coming obviously with, it's the premise of the
0: book. It's basically, you don't have, i sorry, it's been Jesus too long. I've been 16 years now. I've been working with these large companies. There are so many politics, red tape, fiefdoms that you have to deal with, meeting after meeting to get something done. Uh, Culture change has to happen of some nature, or you have to have a content champion that's so strong that's not willing to risk their, or that's actually willing to risk their job, at least doing it the way that it's been done, to make some of these decisions to say, look, We're not going to market the way we've always marketed. We're going to go out and build an audience that knows, likes, and trusts us. And if we do that, we believe in our heart of hearts that it's going to help our business. And here's how. That's, you know, basically that's the approach. And there's very, very few large businesses that can do that because they're so set in we have these products to sell. That's what marketing's for. Get the darn brochure done set it get make sure the salespeople have what they need marketing get out of my way and i'll sell especially in large b2b companies now and what we we notice is if you have a belief structure around the practice of content marketing that you really believe that this is the way that you can go to market you have one person that can make that decision and you have so such utter focus on a content niche which is also another issue that large companies they want to target everyone every one of their buyer Personas, audience personas. And in a B2B company, that could be seven to nine people. And then their content becomes so irrelevant uh, and doesn't do anything. But if you're a startup, you're focusing on that audience, building that audience, building that, you know, focusing on that person and that audience that you're building that becomes your future customer database. It is, it takes time and it takes patience. Large companies have no patience. Large companies, usually the ones that we work with, are public companies. They're on some kind of quarterly fiscal financial release schedule. Uh, nobody has patience for anything. If you go into a chief marketer's office and say, hey, I, here's what we're going to do. We're going to target this audience, which is not our a large audience, but it's a particular audience that we can be the leading informational expert. And we're going to distribute content to them. We're going to build them. They're going to they're going to, to know us more, to like us. It's going to lead to this. This is, we're going to build subscribers. We think this is going to happen. That's the hypothesis, but we don't know for sure. We might have to change it. And I need seven, I need 15 to 17 months to make that happen. The next two words are, you know, with a contraction in there, you're fired. Is basically what it is, get out of here. let's do some advertising let's let's drop some demand right now.
1: It's amazing the short term thinking at the largest institutions on the planet because it's it's this quarterly mentality, but I mean, what you describe is why I don't you know I know there's so much money at the enterprise level, but I've never wanted to deal with what you've described that mire of of entrenched silos and uh, infighting and, and just the inability to move quickly. And that's also why I refer to myself as unemployable. Could you imagine me in that environment? You know, I'm, I'm on the evening news at some point.
0: Yeah. I I wouldn't even start to imagine. The process. <laughs> I don't think any large company would imagine that either. Let's go out and get that Brian Clark. Guy. Yeah. He's going to no, really, no, no one's
1: in the history of the world has ever said, I wonder if, uh, <laughs> We could get Clark to come on board. He's no. a bit.
0: Well, the thing is, is that uh, I think there is a little bit of a no- – we just had our team meeting. And we, I think it is a, – a, we were talking about it being a noble effort. This is a mission that we can really get behind because who's going to do this? Who really cares about this? There's a lot of really good people and marketers in these large companies that are struggling – and that's our job to support them and to give them the air cover so that they can go in and make change happen. If you can make change happen, like you know, a good examples, Julie Fleischer, Kraft. The change that she's had, she's made happen in Kraft has been phenomenal. It's, re- and I don't even know how much they respect it inside craft, but she's so respected outside, and she's an inspiration for marketers at large companies all over the place because we know it can be done. And we know that 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 is a real asset inside that organization that's valued. And we need more of that because it's the large companies that have the large access to these large audiences that can actually help the world communicate better because we all know that we don't need another ad. Like, (laughs) do we really need more advertising campaigns? For that matter, do we need more content campaigns? That's, I hate that term. I yeah. hate content no, because it's a d- it's
1: not a campaign it's a, it's a shift in thinking. What is a content campaign? I mean, I do, don't even
0: know what that is. Is that do, a short-term do, content viral burst? Think of... like I'm
1: do do magazine publishers have magazine campaigns? No, they produce a magazine. You know, I mean, it, it's more that type of thinking than it is uh, a campaign. Well, it's still,
0: yeah, we're going to go do a blog. What the heck? What is that? <laughs>
1: We need up yeah. oh, somebody go get
0: content for the blog today. D- today we have to do a post. What?
1: I don't. It's. You know what occurred to me when I heard you were writing the book and uh, and thinking about the audience you have, because a lot of of the enterprise people will send certain designated people from the marketing department or or corporate communications or what have you to events like Content Marketing World, and and they're in charge of figuring out this content thing. And then these people come back and they're inspired, they're fired up, they know what to do and they know what will work if they can get internal buy-in and it doesn't come. Has it occurred to you that some of those people in the existing audience may be looking at Content Inc. and thinking, you know what, I know how to do this, I'm going out on my own. Wouldn't that be, I mean, to me, that would be fantastic to some of the enterprise companies out there may not think that's so great, but have you thought about that?
0: Well, the the dirty little secret that's going on in our industry right now is you have a lot of really smart people in big companies that understand how to build audiences that don't get quite the respect they deserve or need or or even support. And yes, frankly, I've never seen, and I'm not saying any names because we won't do that. No names, please. Right. But. There are a lot of people that you and I know right now that are dissatisfied at their corporate jobs and they want to do something for the greater good and they want to do something for themselves and they want to do something for their families. And they know that they can go and build an audience. And if they have a level of patience and determination and passion, they're, they're going to get there. So to answer, that's a long answer to your question. But, no, but I mean, yes, yeah, absolutely. I, yes. How could it I, this not This is be. our future entrepreneurs are, I think, going to content marketing world And you're going to see, that's why we've kicked around, Robert Rose and I, we've kicked around like, hey, you know what, we should, are we going to do like this startup thing around because we see so many of these possibilities of companies launching from these corporate marketers that really want to be entrepreneurial. Because they're already entrepreneurial. If you're a content marketer, you probably
1: have that entrepreneurial spirit already because you have to to survive in a large company atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why my new project is aimed at, uh, the power of the small, you know, the, the power that, uh, a, a produce a media producer mindset could bring to a, a startup or even a production style environment. And you hear all the things that are threatening or radically changing the future of work, including automation, robotics, computerization, but it's also just the, just the dissatisfaction <laughs> with, with how large companies work. And I, I think there's, a big movement coming. And I think content may be the catalyst in a, in a lot of ways because the light bulb has gone off, as you mentioned, for a lot of these people that are like, wait, I can do something here without a lot of money with all these tools that are out there and just the freedom to do it correctly. So I I think that's awesome. Well,
0: it's the golden age for entrepreneurship right now. And I think that the, the the whole content to, movement and the no barriers to entry in the technology area and and we're you know we're all publishers so it's all the same thing we can all do it Uh, just a quick story because i think it's interesting i was speaking at a startup event uh, a bunch of venture capitalists in the audience and everybody was talking about it was in around the cleveland area and they were all talking we need more investment we've got some we've got this great momentum going on with these companies that are launching and we need to you know they they're, they're creating these differentiated products and going to market and you know I heard the same old spiel with you create a great unique product put a lot of money behind it get that investment get your series a blah 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 and I'm that of course there's to me the content guy and I'm like I don't even know why I'm on this panel but hey I'll I'll answer your question and I basically said you know what we're all doing it wrong and that we are all launching businesses the wrong way thinking that we, that our idea is so good that we'll be able to figure out our audience's needs right now, that we've got it. And that doesn't work that way. Even if you look at maybe the most famous accelerator on the planet, Y Combinator, has a 10% success rate. That's pitiful. Wouldn't it make more sense to say, you know what, let's go out and build an audience first. Let's understand them better than anyone else in the world. And then we will know, in, just like you did, you'll inherently start to figure out what products and services they need. And when they're and when we're ready to sell, we will have our buyers because they're gonna buy anything we offer them because they trust us. I just think that's a better way for startups to go today, but nobody does this. Everybody talks, even Peter Thiel in Zero to One, the book, and I sort of, I mean, even though I love what he's done, first investor in Facebook, co-founder of PayPal, he wrote a great book called Zero to One, but it starts the same as every other startup book. You have to create a product that's different than anyone else. You know how
1: hard that is to do? I know. And what we were talking about last week with Robert was that content, media, is the last way to truly differentiate. Right. I can manufacture anything I want in China. I can copy any service model. You know, where uh, it's – it's this unicorn thinking. It drives me crazy. But otherwise. It's not a
0: new, well, it's yeah. not a new concept either. I mean, Don Schultz, who is one of my heroes, he's the father of integrated marketing, I read an article that he wrote in 2003 in B2B magazine. B2B, uh, no longer around, well, part of Ad Age, but the magazine's gone now. He wrote and he said, look, everything that you are creating as a business, as a commerce-backed business." can be duplicated except for how you communicate. And yes. then he, so he said it and here and here we are. You're yeah. talking about it. I'm talking Robert said we talk about that all the time. But now the difference is is that you actually have more power to make change happen through content because you can communicate directly or all that all that power twenty years ago, you had to have some kind of a budget behind you. So you don't have to have that today. Yep. Preach, brother. This
1: Preach is, it this is the choir Amen. over here. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about some uh, examples of, of companies who have done this. Now, there are a lot of of companies uh, that are really well known to my audience. Uh, I think we we do owe them acknowledgement here, because a lot of our peers have done what you've done and what I've done, and we all have different businesses. And, and maybe, you know, we ended up with a different answer about what problem or desire am I going to solve? And yet, fundamentally, the mechanism that you lay out in Content Inc. is the same. It's the same
0: thing. It's basically uh, focus on who that audience is going to be, uh, figure out you know, what's, what your passion area is uh, mixed with, you know, what is something that you actually have authority, as you like to use the word authority, authority to communicate on, What's that content differentiation area? We took call that the content tilt, and then build that base, build that audience over time. And some of the examples, uh, of course, we use uh, Copy Blogger Media example throughout the book. We use Content Marketing Institute example. You know, we basically did the same thing, but we we monetize it through different ways. You monetize that through through product the products that you sell. We monetize that through mostly our events uh, like Content Marketing World. You got Moz, Rand Fishkin who did the same thing, built 100,000 email subscribers, made the pivot from the consulting business to selling uh, to selling products. We know the folks at Social Media Examiner has done the same type of model where he monetizes his through mostly online products and services. Uh, but there are, you know, so there's the ones I think we know about. I think the ones that we talk about in the book that we don't know about, which I think are so interesting. If you look at somebody like Michelle Fan, who was, uh, a designer online, started her blog in 2005, started to build an audience, launched her books in 2010, launched her Pinterest page in 2011. She has now something like 13 million followers on Pinterest when it comes to all the designs she shares. I actually get her email newsletter, <laughs> believe it or not. And now she's got uh, licensing, merchandising deals with Target, with Microsoft, uh, multimillionaire. Uh, it's just amazing what has happened. But by, through, by building an audience uh, to a certain one that you may not have heard of that I think is good for the people listening to this and trying to figure out, hey, I want to sell products is uh, Trish Witkowski over at Fold Factory. I mean, basically what she's selling is she's selling direct mail templates like, hey, if you want to put a mailing together, here's some templates you can use. So she created a thing. And this is Andrew Davis author Brandscaping, tipped me off to this one. She creates a video show, regular video show, called the 60-Second Super Cool Fold of the Week. And just to to think that you don't have to have a lot of audience or subscribers to do this, she built her subscribership up to 3,100. So you might be thinking, "That's, that's not that much. For a B2B audience, that's a good, solid audience, She's, she's been able to get about a million views of her videos over that time, and she's been able to rack up well over $500,000 in direct revenue because of the videos. And that's, by the way, that was an existing business. So she's trying to figure out, okay, how do I take an existing business concept and add in what we know as the Content Inc. model to that? And that's worked really well for her. And then oh, I got a lot of good ones. I love what Aaron Reardon's done the Baking Queen of Sydney, Australia. Basically 2012, she was up late at night. She was doing, um, she, she, had a, she had a baby. She was doing night feedings. She was, got bored. She was a qualified dietitian at the same time. She created a blog called How to Cook That. And she, she did regular videos. But her content niche or your, her content tilt was around impossible food creations. So she started, I don't know if you remember. Did you ever, did you see the video of the Instagram cake?
1: Brian, no, did you see this? I didn't see that.
0: You were you were the only one that didn't see it. <laughs> you
1: it's know me. I have to basically, work.
0: Basically, on, on the outside, it looks like a chocolate cake, and you cut into it, and it was a replica of the Instagram logo. And she did that inside the cake. It got millions and millions of views. So she went from 100 subscribers in 2012 to now she's got 1.7 million or something like that subscribers. 16 million views. Uh, I think on our monthly view level of 16 million. It's unbelievable and' been able to transform her business. She's got licensing deals going on, promotional deals, merchandising deals. It's just amazing. And the other thing you don't think about when we talk about the examples and I mean you have you're probably the best example of this I, I do a little bit on this as well, is the number of different ways you can monetize the platform. Well, the average is like five to six different ways that people do. It's like, you think, oh, wait, I'm selling this product. Well, if you have a content, if you have a content model and you create a a platform and an audience that knows and loves you, you can sell lots of different stuff. And that's what we see with all the examples we cover in the book. It's like an average of four or five, six different ways. You might like a content marketing institute. We monetize in like 10, 11 different ways with different products we have. I think you guys probably have what, four or five? Maybe yeah. I mean, we look it, at it with it, the event and the sponsorship and the products that you sell and the affiliate stuff. I mean, you got a little bit of everything going
1: on. Yeah, we we actually, you know, because uh, we built the Rainmaker platform by building each part and selling it in a classic bootstrapping strategy. And then we end up with, wow, we got a lot of stuff here. <laughs> so you almost uh, think about c- consolidation at some point. But as long as this thing is something that uh, satisfies the problem or desire of the audience, they're going to be inclined to, you know, WordPress hosting. You know, we got into that really to, to build the hosting component of the Rainmaker platform. But that was the hosting that Copyblogger uses for its own site. So people are like, sign me up. And, you know, we didn't even push it hard. So, yeah, it's amazing.
0: It, it, it really is. Well, the, the most amazing thing, just to kind of wrap up all the examples, and I, I think there's total well over 50 examples in the book, and I love them because most of them started with nothing and they started to just create amazing content consistently over a platform. But the one thing that we did is when we did the interviews for the for the book and we looked at each of the models, everyone and I'm not kidding you, everyone followed the same six steps. They did it in different time frames. But basically the same six steps of what's the passion, what's the, the passion area to find that first? What's the content tilt? How are we going to build the base over time? How do we then harvest the audience? Then we move into the diversification once a minimum viable audience is attained, we diversify into books or events or into social media channels or whatever, and then monetization, the same thing. And that's why I believe that if somebody reads the book, they could take this model, and actually replicate it. Learn from you and I and everyone else and do this if you follow these steps. And it just, it just blew me away. And actually what the, the most exciting for me is the simplicity of the model. It's actually not complex at all. Like if you go to building the base, it's picked one main content type in one main content channel, consistently distribute content over time. Like that's like mind blowing,
1: but that's, (laughs) <laughs> That's what it is. It's what everybody yeah. did. No, I it know. It just blows I know. me away. And, and we've both been talking this for so long. I think sometimes we're like, what's not to get? But I will say that the way you boiled it down in Content Inc., may be it, you know, it may be. Uh, over time, you, you find ways to explain things slightly differently, and you'll see the light bulb go up. So Content Inc., is released on September eighth. It is available for pre order right now on Amazon. I think everyone who listens to the show needs a copy of this on their shelf. Uh, you know, other than my foreword, it's a really good book. Oh. So <laughs> I got to do the false humility here. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the Content Inc. Summit. So you know, we've got the big enterprise event, and you know, companies big and small show up to content marketing world. Uh, But on on the following day, September 11th, will be the Content Inc. Summit. And I want to talk about an example. uh, And this is a guy who's going to be there along with me and you, John Lee Dumas, the podcasting madman. I mean, literally, this guy's story amazes me. uh, Not because of where he's at necessarily, although that's impressive, but just how he attacked uh, the world of podcasting as his content channel. Maybe you can run through a little bit of how John exemplifies some of these six steps or maybe the early ones.
0: I mean, it's it's just basically he said, hey, we are going to uh, focus on the entrepreneur. And, and how are we going? To, we are going to solve entrepreneurs' problems and help them build their businesses. And specifically, so we're going to do this through this channel called podcasting and we're going to consistently deliver that message over time he built his and he basically built that audience didn't really have a revenue line or or an idea of how do we consistently build revenue now he's what i think what i love about john more than everyone else i think it's he does those monthly podcasts where he shares all of his financials i dig that i mean that is talk about (laughs) <laughs> some some pure authenticity. Yeah, you know, I giving think everything up like Moz
1: Rand, you know, was the first one I remember who had that kind of ultra transparency. Um, and we try to do it to a certain degree, but I it's hard. I think we're a little more old school, but Buffer does that really well. But John, yeah, he just lays it all out there.
0: But it, yeah, I mean, basically he he built an audience. And then once he built that minimum viable audience, he was able to sell in, in the, the for Content Inc., for the summit, it's the same thing, right? I mean, we, I had the last book, Epic Content Marketing, great for enterprise marketers. I, I didn't. I wanted to have something for that small business, that entrepreneur to say, hey, here, this is for you. Just do this. Like, Because they'll say, hey, Joe, can I hire you for consulting? I'm like, no, save your money. Just read this and then do it and you'll be fine. And then, then we wanted to have the same thing for content marketing world. I mean, we got 11 concurrent sessions content marketing world mostly really shaped them I mean, there are some SMB sessions but most of them are shaped for the big boys so we're like okay well I want that same thing for small businesses hey this is for you where you're gonna be talking I'm talking we got Matthew Patrick uh, coming in who uh, for I don't know if you're familiar with his work on game theory he's got 4.8 million subscribers built an amazing business. He's like YouTube's number one go-to guy to go to to figure out analytics for YouTube. So he's going to be on there. John Lee Dumas is going to be there. Uh, It's uh, Andrew Davis, of course, is going to be kicking it off. It's going to be fantastic. And I love it where you can be a small business startup entrepreneur in that room and you will get nothing but, you know, six hours of value like (laughs) that's you will you will come out of there inspired, but you will have enough. That you'll be able to say, "Look, I can do this for my business, or I can add this on to my existing business." So that was the hope. We'll see. I mean, I think we're going to get a really good crowd for it, but again, it's a different audience that we've we've targeted. But it's on the back of content marketing world on the Friday nine to
1: three. Yeah, so I'm attending both. But uh, tell us how this works. Um, if you want to go to the Content Inc. Summit alone is that possible
0: yes if you want to go to the content Inc summit alone actually the easiest way to do it is just actually go to the book site go to content-inc.com and that'll take you to the book site and there's a link right at the top for content Inc summit just click there and you'll just go to the summit site instead of having to go to like content marketing world and go through all the other hoops and that you don't don't have to do that just go to content-inc.com and you'll go directly to uh, to that page, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. Of course, that's my right now. Of course, that's more my passion is that because I love to see these smaller businesses or entrepreneurs actually feel like they have a chance. And you and I are both saying the same thing. You actually have a better chance in some cases than the one with all the budget money, because it's so much more difficult in a
1: larger enterprise to do this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna link that up in the show notes as well for easy access. Joe, my friend, you know, I every year I give you a hard time about Cleveland, which you love. You love your city. I, I, can't, I, do. So, I do. But I am looking forward to being there. I'm really excited. Um, I don't know. After all these years, I still get fired up. And that's a good sign, because if I don't, I need to retire. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Well, hey, man, you've been along for this ride. It's
0: hard to believe. Remember the first year, we were just hoping for a couple hundred, and I said, Brian, would you please speak? I need your help. And, uh, you know, we had 600 show up that year and now we're going to be over 3000. It's, it's amazing. just hard to, it's, just it's hard
1: to believe you put on uh, an amazing show every year. I'm just like, this is huge. And yet I, you know, no names on this side either, but I've been to a few shows <laughs> where it was just horrible. You know, I mean, everything was wrong. The speakers are, are not treated well, all oh, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you really put on a class show. It's amazing. Uh, I know you work hard to, to do it, but you make it look effortless. While wearing orange, I, I should mention.
0: Uh, you know what? If, if you wore a little bit more orange, I think the world would be a better place as well. Well, you know, I, I am a Broncos. To- I'm a
1: Broncos fan now. That can I wear just a Broncos jersey, or is that going to offend your Browns sensibility? If you you know what? You're
0: fine in the convention center, but if you wear it around downtown
1: Cleveland, you may you may be lost. Dude, suddenly. I don't mess around in downtown Cleveland. I just keep eyes forward, you know. No, we I'm still kidding. remember the
0: drive and the fumble. So uh, <laughs> I know. That's that's very, you never, yeah.
1: You never get over that stuff. Oh, it, no, no.
0: Well, we can't get over it because we haven't won a championship in over 50 years. If LeBron, Once we do. If
1: LeBron could bring it home, I think it might ease some pain, but. It will ease all the pain.
0: It'll all be forgotten. It'll and I so hopefully, hopefully soon. Cuz people are dying
1: here. I mean, it, it we I have, was going for the Cavs this like. I mean, god, I just want you guys to win something. To anything. Just it it it'll it'll it'll
0: happen. It'll happen this. year. It's, it's, certainly, <laughs> not gonna be the it's certainly not going to be the Browns this year. But no, it not. could be the Cavs. You got it.
1: All right, my friend. Thank you again. I will see you shortly. Everyone out there, seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah for the price of a book i think you're you're going to uh, be over delivered uh with inspiration but also methodology and i think that's important so content inc check it out joe take care see you soon brother thanks for all the support